630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, is uh, NCAA football have it on the tube here? Number 15, Oregon taking on Oregon State. Late in the first half, Oregon leading 21 13. Uh, monsoon like conditions. Again, the, the screen's actually cloudy looking with all the rain coming down as we welcome Darcy Park, the head coach of the Edmonton Wildcats, back to the show. Darcy, good to talk to you. I, I want to ask you, did, do you do any drills? Because I had Bowman and Stafford on talking about the 2015 Great Cup team, and they said how Chris Jones would do a wet ball drill. But do you do anything like that with, with your kids ever? Well, yeah, I mean, we're not uh, fortunate enough to be able to have an indoor facility that we can go into on, on uh, rainy days and stuff like that. But as the coaching staff, we definitely talk about when we're practicing in inclement weather uh, that we want to take advantage of, uh, you know, using some of the skills and fundamentals at the time. But, yeah, um, you know, usually we're just uh, happy if we can get uh, some decent weather for practice. But, like I said, if uh, it's raining, we don't have the option to go anywhere else but outside. So we get our drills in that way. So okay, so you don't have to simulate it. That's uh, that's uh, that's that's good to know. Well, I, I mean, obviously you guys didn't have it, but your your uh, the junior football season I know is not necessarily a long one, eight or nine games, uh, and then and then playoffs depending on how you do. But you cover all the seasons. You kind of go from summer to fall and often into winter like conditions over the course of your year. Yeah, that's like usually our spring camp is, uh, you know, at the end of April, early May, and, and we've had spring camps where there's snow on the ground and, uh, you know, weather to, to hot. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's the great thing about being uh, in northern Alberta that uh, usually regardless of what uh, season you're in, you're going to get a little taste of a little bit of everything. What's the worst weather you coached in? Coached in? Um uh, well, or played in if you have a story no, from no. back in the day. No, I have. A, you know what? There's it's a couple because they're 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 really great memories. I think um, probably the coldest day that we ever uh, played in was back in 2009, um, and uh, we played um, St. Leonard out of Montreal in the uh, semifinal game, and we played at uh, at Clark Stadium, and it it was probably minus 40 with uh, a crazy wind coming across and. Uh, again, we were fortunate. We had Mackenzie Mandruziak uh, on our team, and Dwayne was uh, a big help in terms of, uh, you know, helping us out with footwear on Clark Stadium because it was really cold. And then, uh, you know, hand warmers and uh, sideline jackets. And, and, you know, we looked over at St. Leonard, who was, a, you know, a really good team and had, had been in the, na- in the national final a couple of years. And they were using their equipment bags uh, <laughs> to kind of keep them warm. And, uh, it was really close at halftime, and we ended up, uh, you know, kind of taking over in the second half. But that that's a game weather-wise that stands out. And then, um, you know, I'm really proud to be a part of uh, of um, Saskatoon putting turf on uh, on Gordy Howell now uh, SMF Field uh, again. And we uh, we played him in the final game, and it was uh, it was uh, you know a rainstorm like like you're seeing in Oregon tonight uh, the, the couple days before. Um, and they had rolled the field with uh, like a roller, and so when we got there for the warmups, we were all, you know, quite impressed with how how good the field conditions were. And by the end of the first quarter, it was a mud bowl, and we ended up winning. And and Tom Sargent was in the paper the next day uh, 
talking about how, you know, we have to do something because, you know, we're never going to lose a game in Saskatoon because of field conditions. So uh, those are two really good memories I have about, uh, you know, cold weather games and, and uh, playing in inclement weather. Darcy, does, does Tom Sargent still coach the Saskatoon Hilltops? And the reason I ask this is because I did my practicum from the Nate Radio and Television Programming at the Global Station in Saskatoon in the summer of 1999, and I got to do a few Hilltop stories, and he was the coach. And he, you said he was co- – is he still the coach there? Oh, yeah. We um, – in, in 2019, he actually uh, – Became the all-time winningest coach, um, I believe it was, or he got to his 250th win. Um, so we actually played him the week after and uh, presented him with a gift. Uh, you know, he's just done he's done such a great job with that program, and, and he's a he's a, a legend in our league for sure. But uh, again, when he's had the success that he's had, he's he's almost transcended our league in terms of uh, being able to maintain such a high standard in, in Saskatoon. And you know, it's something that we all strive to do with our programs. I, I got to tell you this story because you'll you'll appreciate this because we know what what football is like in in Saskatchewan, and and in Saskatoon, okay, the Riders aren't there, but they still have a lot of Rider fans, and the Hilltops and the Huskies, the university team, get a lot of support, and I, I learned that firsthand. I, I was there this summer and a bit into the fall, so Darcy Jay Onright and I, because he was the sports director there, went and covered the first university game between Regina and the Huskies. Cause remember the Rams went from junior football to Canada West. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Claremont was on the team. Yeah. Mike, Bauer, uh, they had a good team. <laughs> right. So and the, the, the Husky, the Huskies won, they wound up pulling away and they kind of blew them out. But I remember driving to the game with Jay and and he was like really excited it was early september like school had just started and this was a big rivalry you know university rivalry kicking off and i said and i said to jay what will it be like in saskatoon if regina wins this game and he looked at me and said totally serious he goes well it won't be as bad as a nuclear bomb going off but it'll be close <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's uh like i said it's amazing it's one of the great things about um uh, junior football and and you know that i really love is obviously again just uh you go into saskatoon and and um there's been so many people have been around that program for so long and and i know even being in edmonton um, I run into just as many alumni from the Saskatoon Hilltops as I do from uh, any other program. Uh, you know, again, it's uh, it's a storied franchise, and and the, the people involved in football, uh, uh, you know, just do a great job. I, I've obviously had the chance to to um, you know coach against some guys who are, are running football Saskatchewan now, and and the way they run their provincial programs. They're obviously the two-time defending champion at the at the uh, U18 and. For football, the Canada's championship, and and uh, it's impressive. Again, it's um, you know what I always try and tell you know players we're recruiting from in Edmonton to play Wildcats is, you know, you go to Saskatoon and you walk into their uh, stores. There, you can buy Hilltop jerseys at at the sport local sport check or at the sporting goods stores, and you know the Hilltops is uh, they're on on the radio every week and. And it's a big deal to be a Hilltop. And that's, again, like we talked about, those are things we're trying to bring back in and, and do for our program. Darcy Park joining us from the Edmonton Wildcats, head coach of the team. So tell me how you guys were able to be a team. 
this this fall even though unfortunately the season got wiped out let fans know were you able to do some activities scrimmage what was it like yeah it was it was hard i mean we um you know if we go back to march we had we had just um had our first uh team practice and obviously we're really enthusiastic with bringing Cavis Reed on board and, and Paul Schwartz as, as uh, defensive coordinator. So we were really excited with the other uh, coach additions in the coaching staff. And, you know, we were, we had a, a veteran group of players that were coming back and we had our workout in March. And then the next weekend we were about to have our second one. And, and that's when uh, things started getting shut down and we went online and did uh, Google meets and, uh, you know, tried to do as much as we could to keep the players invested. And, you know, again, and when we got into, I think the last time I talked to you, we were, we were still planning on having a shortened season back in uh, July and August. And, uh, you know, so that kind of kept everyone together and at least a little bit of a focus. And then once, uh, you know, the season was canceled, we uh, had begun doing uh, team workouts, but then, um, to be honest with you, I was uh, a little leery of it. Uh, you know, we wanted to bring the guys together, but one of the things about junior football is you have so many players coming from different areas, be it uh, different uh, communities outside of Edmonton or, um, you know, they're working, uh, you know, they're in school. So when you when we bring our, our guys, even though we were, we were following the COVID rules, um, you know, our cohorts were... Uh, um, you know, coming from all different areas, um, it was. We just felt that uh, you know it would be hard for us to justify if one of our players, um, you know, maybe had uh, you know got got uh, the virus and then took it back to a place of work where now that business would have to shut down for a couple weeks, you know, because we were a little selfish in wanting to run uh, these workouts. So. Uh, we we stopped that and, and went to even smaller groups and just uh, tried to get the, the players in smaller groups together, uh, and then again just continue to communicate with them, uh, you know, weekly just to make sure that uh, they understood that you know we're all sacrificing um, for for basically you know the people who are are working in the hospitals. Unfortunately, we're seeing it now where the numbers are high, and and uh, you know I've got lots of friends who and teammates who I played with or people that I've coached who are working in, in hospitals and uh, in the healthcare and, and, you know, their stress levels at all time high. And I think that uh, we can all kind of take a pause and, and get back. But in saying that, um, you know, we're, you know, we're looking forward to 2021 and have started recruiting and, and uh, are super excited. I think that uh, the league handled it really well in terms of being able to give those players uh, in their fourth and fifth year, uh, um, another year on top of it so to extend the uh, age limit for those players who were who were playing in 2019 it's not like you can be a university kid um, and finish your your, uh, your eligibility there and then come back and, and get that extra year they were really smart about the way they did it and uh, so again it allowed us to sit back and plan and organize and and again as a coaching staff we've got to spend a lot of time um, thinking about what we want to do and how we want to do it and and now we're starting to roll out uh, our plan. Darcy, can you hang on the line? Because I want to ask you a couple other uh, coaching-related questions, and I want to talk to you about the, the 50-50 as well. Can you stick around for a couple minutes? Yeah, sure. Darcy Park, head coach of the Edmonton Wildcats. More with him when we get back.
talking to Darcy Park, head coach of the Edmonton Wildcats. Okay, I'm going to throw one at you here. I, I don't know if you saw the Cowboys' fake punt yesterday from oh, deep did, in their yeah. own end. Uh, so, so what did you think? And as a coach, what is your philosophy towards faking kicks? Hey, I um, love asking you those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been the special team coordinator uh, a, a long time, so uh, generally my philosophy is I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, um, conservative in terms of that. Like, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, trust your defense, uh, that they're going to get you the ball back. Um, actually, I was uh, had the opportunity to go down to Dallas in uh, in January with, with Team Canada, and um, uh, Coach Samara from Carleton was the head coach, and I was coordinating special teams, and that was the big thing is we had a couple fakes in, and, uh, and he's basically had given me the okay to run him whenever I wanted to. And, uh, again, I just, we were playing a tight game against the American team and, and I, I, and I, you know, you know, you see the looks you think you're going to get that you want to run, but, um, again, never pulled the trigger. Um, you know, with our own team at the Wildcats, we had a pretty athletic punter, uh, the last couple of years in Ryan Zaroni, who, um, we would give him the option if, if some teams didn't force, um, we would, uh, he could look and then just, just take off and run. And, those usually work better than the planned ones because, uh, you know, the cover team's running down and, and the return team's turning to run with their guys. So if you've got an athletic punter, you know, he can pick his side and just uh, run for a first down. But, uh, yeah, those are tough, especially deep in your own zone. Um, you know, you, you think you're going to get the look you want. And uh, when it doesn't work, you're, you're uh, you know, frowned upon. But, again, if, if it works, then, uh, you know, you're the smartest man in the in the game and 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 that's why uh you know they make those calls but yeah no i'm generally pretty conservative on on faking punts that's for sure well uh chris jones faked a punt out of the double e end zone during the 2014 regular season which i uh which i pretty thoroughly criticized the next night on inside sports but he faked a punt in the 2015 great cup uh, the keep a drive alive. And I, I'm reading a biography about Bill Parcells and they faked a punt in the NFC championship game against San Francisco that helped them win at 15, 13. So, uh, you know, yeah. you're, you're right. If, if, it, if it works, if it works, you're a hero. There's, there's no in between on those. Uh, the, hey, always, the, the one I always think about is Tom Higgins and Sean Fleming. I think it was back in like uh, maybe 20, uh, 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one that always comes back into my head uh, when I think about that. When I'm when we're drawing up uh, um, fakes and whatnot, is is just uh, you know how how awesome they are when they work and what a momentum swing it is. But uh, again, when it doesn't work, it's uh, just as bad the other way. The Double E football team is going to do another 50-50 online next Saturday, December 5th. It'll go from 10 a.m. until 8 p.m. They did one for the Winifred Stewart Association and the Joey Moss Memorial Fund on Sunday. That, uh, well, it, it creeped up, uh, it crept up towards a million dollars. Sentinel Storage sponsoring it and sponsoring the one coming up. And uh, the, the beneficiaries for the one on Saturday, the 5th, are going to be you guys, the Wildcats, uh, also the Huskies and the U of A Golden Bears. Um, you know, you, pretty pretty big for your organization here. Oh, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's huge. And, um, you know, I I can't imagine in terms of, you know, we've talked about what, what everyone's going through during this time. And, and I, I don't think there's been an organization in, in professional sports that has had to deal with, with what uh, the Edmonton Football Club has had to do in terms of, you know, the name, the name change, and um, and obviously, uh, you know, dealing with they've had to let go of some some key personnel, and 
and uh, just just some tough decisions in terms of, of being around it. So, again, for them to be able to um, to uh, maintain the relationship with uh, the Golden Bears, the Huskies, and ourselves to 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 um, to hold this and allow you know us the opportunity to you know basically stay alive and cover our fixed costs. Uh, you know, we're not, we're talking about things that we can't control. That uh, are things that we have to be able to uh, to do in order to stay alive is is just huge. And and again, we couldn't uh, thank them enough for 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 doing this. And and I think you know we're all three programs are going to do um, you know as much in this next week to to uh, promote it and and and, uh, and and get it up there with 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 the. Uh, award that was presented during uh, uh joey moss's 50 50 that uh you know we could be proud and, and i think again it, it just shows um even though there's been lots of changes that uh you know the the double e football team is still a community-based uh team and, and they understand that you know one of the the great things about being in the city of edmonton is you have three elite uh football programs that uh, you know uh, allow uh you know close to 300 300 athletes to play football at a really high level and, and then uh, con- contribute to uh, minor football because of it. Darcy, well said. Uh, quickly before I let you go, who wins between the Chiefs and the Bucks on Sunday? Uh, you know, uh, it it's kind of seems like every anytime that uh, Brady has a bad game, he ends up having a good game right after, so you don't want to bet against him, but uh, I'm a big fan of watching uh, the Chiefs play and obviously Patrick Mahomes is is the star of the league right now and it's nice that a coach watching a coach like andy reed who's you know had a lot of success but could never win the big one and he finally wins it and can carry it on so i'll have to go with kansas city on uh, for that game i think i would too I, I i read this past week that brady usually goes to bed at 8 15 so the game the sunday nighter against the or the monday nighter against the Rams would have started after his bedtime <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's crazy that's but amazing. I guess if you're playing until you're 40, 42 years old and you, you're still uh, doing it, yeah, he's got all the, you know, all the science behind him in terms of uh, being healthy. That's for sure. Hey, Darcy, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for uh, talking about football and, and coaching, and uh, really cool uh, double E football teams having the online fifty fifty to help the Wildcats, Huskies, and U of A Golden Bears. That's going to be online next Saturday. Keep in touch, man. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, Reed. Again, thanks for just uh, giving us this platform. And like I said, we'll be uh, we'll be pushing the sales for this for the for the next fifty fifty. And uh, you know, entering the holiday season, I know it's hard for uh, it's going to be difficult for everyone. But we just wanted the you know, Wildcats just like to wish everyone a you know a happy holiday season. And uh, hopefully, we can all find some joy during this time. Right on. That is Darcy Park, head coach of your Edmonton Wildcats. a good one this is the who is it not it is who requested this one uh, i gotta find and see 
I lost the text. What happened? Uh, Jason, Jason. What your name is? Just send them the songs. Jason. <laughs> that's, that's all right, Kel. I put you on the spot there, buddy. We are getting a lot of texts tonight. Thank you to everybody who's texted in. This is amazing. Yeah, that's fine. It's good. Uh, what, what's did, is the Undertaker retiring? You're the wrestling guy. What's has going on? retired. Yeah, as of last weekend, he is done. I, I thought he was done when he when he finally lost a, a match at WrestleMania a few years ago. Didn't he have like a 30-year winning streak or something? <laughs> yeah, he had like an incredible winning streak going into it. Uh, yeah, he lost, uh, well, he lost to Brock Lesnar in 2014, and everybody thought he was done then. And then he lost again to Roman Reigns in 2017, and everybody thought he was done then. And it turned out he should have probably hung it up after the lost to Roman Reigns because he, he would come back and do um, like little one-offs, Reed. But these one-off matches over the past few years have not been, shall we say, um, good. He's <laughs> so, 55. Yes. He's 55. <laughs> Mark Calloway, his real name. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, is he one of the greats of all time? Uh, yeah, he's him? up there. He's probably the greatest gimmick of all time. Gimmick wrestler of all time, I would say, because you know that character is going to live on, you know, basically forever, which is ironic for a dead man character. But there you go. <laughs> all right, thank you for the wrestling update from our wrestling aficionado, Kellen Kennedy. Anytime. I am pleased. I am pleased to welcome back to the show. Uh, it was a free footy. That's how we first introduced Tim Adams to you, and he's been on several times over the last few years. It's now free play for kids, so I do want to talk about. Uh, that and some other things Tim has observed recently. Uh, Tim, how are you doing, first of all, man? It's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, probably doing the same as about everybody else right now, just uh, trying to deal with with what's going on in the universe and going on in the political scene and um, trying to keep my head above water and trying to help other people keep their head above water at the moment. But all in all, I have plenty of days where I put a big smile on when I get to work with kids still, so... Okay, lots of good things are still happening out there. Well, you're 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 uh, you're a great man. You've done important things in our community, and we want to touch on a few things. I, I do want to have because uh, we are going to talk about some relatively um, heavy and important observations that you've made. But I want to start off with uh, a bit of a lighter question. Mm-hmm. And I, I know from talking to you over the years, I, I consider you a very well-rounded sports fan. I mean, I think that you are, are pretty aware of what's going on in a lot of different things. Soccer, you would know way more than I do, though. So I want to ask you this. Uh, Steve Simmons was on the show last week, and he votes on the Lou Marsh Award for Canadian Athlete of the Year. And he, in Ooh. his mind, it's a two-horse race between Alfonso Davies, who you know, yep. and Jamal Murray, the basketball player for the Nuggets. So I'm putting you on the spot here. Uh, like, are you are you leaning towards Davies because of your connection there? I mean, Murray, a great run in the NBA, or, or are we missing a name? It can't be a uh, hockey player this year. I, I ought to go with Alfonso. I mean, I don't know Alfonso any better than anyone else in the city. We had a really brief, you know, very brief time with our program, and there's been some people who've done miraculous things with him, but the reason why I would put him up there on the pedestal is just because of the role model he can serve as for so many kids um, in our city and in this country who are like him, who come to Canada as a new Canadian and are given a great skill and given a great gift and have a natural talent and find lots of people with big open hearts and see a talent in someone and want to see them do well. And, you know, um, the smile on that kid's face when he plays and every time he's on social media, 
what people can learn from his character, not from what he does on the field, but more from what his character represents for us. I think that's what um, puts him at the top of the pile for me. He's still is he still getting over an injury or is he uh, is he recovered now? I can't remember. I think he's been back know, training for that, a couple of days. Honestly, my he's been back training for a few days. Yeah, I've seen some great photos of his like beast mode legs of <laughs> guys completely jacked, but uh, I haven't seen him on the pitch in a little while. I've honestly had my head down just trying to keep kids into programming and it's COVID and all the the different challenges that come up from that. And I know we'll get into this, but um, the challenge that we have is is the association that we are sports which um, for us, really, the sports part of it, the kicking the ball, the shooting the ball, the hitting the puck, the throwing the ball, um, really is just the carrot. Like, it 100% is the carrot. And if you don't know what, what our role is, is we use sport and play as a, as a tool to get vulnerable, at-risk, marginalized youth in the door so we can have some crucial and critical conversations with them about social and emotional and mental health and how they're doing in these times. And... Um, you know, there's no better person than um, a coach who has been well-trained and a youth leader who's been well-trained to have those conversations in these times. And we've managed to figure out some some ways to, to keep the doors open and to change how we do programming and to really limit the actual physical activity, the actual bouncing of a ball or moving a puck um, so that kids can still come in the door safely and they're not breathing on each other and they're socially distanced away. But now with these changing AHS guidelines, that's becoming really hard and I understand why we need to do that and I 100% agree if you know you're someone like me who's um a white middle class middle income person with two kids who can afford to put their kids into programming like stay home like I have options I can take care of my kids stay home but um for some kids where that's not the option and you know maybe mom and dad have to work multiple jobs still and there's no one at home with them or they don't have a mom or dad and they're living in a group home which is a pretty big reality for a lot of kids in the city. We know that 34,000 of them live in poverty. Um, telling them to go home when there's nowhere safe to go home. They don't have a safe home or a stable home or someone at home to care for them. It's not an option. And so we have to start... Well, I've probably this interview happened, I'm guessing, is some of the things I post on social media, but we have to start looking at how blanket stay-at-home language doesn't work for everybody. Again... For me, for my kids, for lots of people listening on the radio, it probably does work, and it's it's good. Um, we need to do these things, but some of us will need to take that sacrifice for others who can't do that. And that's where this um, play and sport comes into in, into this equation is that's the carrot to get kids into a space where you can have these critical conversations, which for us has turned into, you know, talking to kids um, um, through suicidal, suicidal thoughts, through... Um, being uh, at home in sexual abuse situations where they're being sexually abused at home or violently abused, uh, me going to kids' homes and taking them out of their home and getting them to shelters and to group homes. And um, that's all because they had made a connection with someone who they could talk to. And so that's the value of what quote-unquote sport is and play is. There's that opportunity to have those conversations. And there's yeah, a segment well, of the population that really needs it right now. Well, I'm glad. I, I, I mean, you're you're so good explaining all that, and and you're right. I mean, Dave and I saw saw your tweets. It's it's Tim Adams FF on Twitter. If people want to look it out, and and you talked about this that you're a sport program, and and but you're you're dealing with with families and kids who have challenges, and 
um, you know, I, I, the, the one that really caught me was where you said my work week included helping families through a suicide, a suicide attempt, a couple cases of abuse, a home removal. And that's, you know, the world that you're operating in, as well as, like you said, the, the stuff that you do to hopefully give kids a safe place to to play sports. And you're, you're, you've shown a lot of strength and a lot of commitment to doing that. And I know you continue to do that. So I, so I appreciate that that you're telling that story because this is uh, like the, there's that element of sport to it that, that you recognize is important, but that that's not yeah. all, the, all there is to it. And, and I love how you explain that and how passionate you are about trying to help these kids. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, at the end of the day, like what we are is, you know, after school childcare or a support group or a youth group. Um, but there happens to be a ball there because there's something magical about shooting a ball or kicking a ball that, you know, lots of kids levitate to. And if we can find something right now that kids will levitate to, to then have a critical conversation that can potentially get them out of an abusive home or um, slowly disclose some of these conversations that they need to have, or even if it's not that serious and they're, you know, they just need someone to talk to. um, We need to figure out ways to be able to continue those. Again, not for every child, but for a certain group of the population. We're talking about 34,000 kids in the city who we know live in poverty, and they need different solutions than my kids do. Um, My kids, I can figure out ways to keep them busy, and they don't need to go to their gymnastics program or their soccer club or their basketball program. That's okay, 100% okay, and I agree. They should stay home, or I should take them outside to learn to do other things, but... For some kids, that is not the option. They don't have a guardian like myself to do that, and we have to have ways, safe spaces for them to continue to go to. And that's one of the big challenges right now is every um, recreation center and facility in this city is shutting down. So where do we go? Um, like, Where do we actually physically take a child right now? Because we don't have our own building. Um, so that's our big challenge for monday is you know after this legislation has kicked in today or these guidelines have kicked in today is every place where we would usually take kids to program we can't go so now all of a sudden it's like what do you do like how do you how do we keep these connections alive with these kids and we've we've ran a very robust online program we run four online sessions a day and four different sports and the connections we've been able to make through our screen have been incredible and we've managed to do some really serious mental health and social support services via screen, which again, like we lure them in by wanting to play hockey online with us, but it turns into all these amazing conversations where we deal with some pretty tough stuff and help kids through some pretty tough situations. But there's still that value to like needing to see someone, even if it's through a mask 10 feet away, <laughs> there's still that connection that needs to happen. And uh, we have nowhere to do it anymore. There's no space everything's closed so uh, that's been my last 48 hours is chasing and racing and talking to every minister and government department and city official i possibly can to try and say like what can we do here um and if we all really care about these kids uh we actually have to do something we can't just let it slide and no do you have any indication? I'm sorry to put you on the spot i know you're working no, hard no, on it yeah. but any, yeah. any any indication what you might be able to do monday uh, well, for Monday, our plan is that we're um, going to go outside and use a bus as a basically like an um, emergency shelter and a warming space and um, run some super fun programming outside. Of, again, of course, uh, abiding by the maximum gathering numbers that, that are in place, but still figuring out ways to do fun things outside. 
you can um, still have a lot of fun outside with uh, with your coaches and youth leaders and of course doing it in a really safe a safe way but uh, outside is the way to go right now it's just the challenges is the weather really changes and things really change i mean the bus is a good spot to keep everybody warm but it's definitely not a the best solution that we have so we're hoping that you know something emerges in the next few days here to um create some space for these kids to come to and just yeah again have that safe space yesterday we had programming and we put mighty ducks on the wall and we all sat socially distanced apart and watched mighty ducks and then went outside and built um, snow forts so you know again it's not about sports but there's a little bit of a sport language and the sport themed movie that still keeps people coming and then you can still have those conversations and you can check in with someone just to make sure that they're okay which um there's a lot of people who who and the the number of people who need it is growing bigger and bigger by the day but there's a group of people in the city who've always needed it and they still really need it and you can't just forget about it and use blanket policy in these situations because it has to be nuanced and the last thing i want to say on this too i'm rambling is that the challenge when you do blanket stay-at-home policy is that if you don't have a safe place to go to, you just then go to friend A on Monday and friend B on Tuesday and friend C on Wednesday and aunties on Thursday and grandma's on Friday and the mall on Saturday and the fast food restaurant on Sunday. And so now all of a sudden we have seven contact points versus going to one safe program where you're screened and tested and monitored and contact traced. And I, I can't guarantee, obviously, but what we do is going to come back with absolutely zero cases. Of, of course, I can't do that. The likelihood was we probably have more because we're screening so tightly. But the point is, by telling people to go home, they have nowhere safe to go. They're not going to go home. It, they can't. There's nowhere to go. So they have to find somewhere else to go, which just means they put in contact with someone else, which means they're in contact with someone else again, and that transmits and spreads further. So I get it. It's hard for everyone, and I'm not blaming anyone and I, I know lots of people are really pulling in our direction and pulling for these kids but you just got to push a little bit harder to really recognize that there are some people out there who are really struggling right now and we can't forget about them Tim well said uh, if people have heard you tonight and think they might have an idea or a suggestion or some way to help uh, can they DM you on Twitter or just go to freeplayforkids.com is that the best way to get yep. a hold of you Yep, that's fantastic. Yep, that, that would be great. Yeah, the website's there. You can see all our programming um, that we do, see our mission and our vision and our values and what we stand behind. And you'll see, once again, that's not the sports stuff. Um, and send an email, and I'll, I would love any ideas or support. And if you find me on Twitter, yeah, please do shoot me a message and hopefully can make some good things happen safely for the kids who need it most. Tim, thanks for sharing this, man, and all the best. I, I really sincerely feel that you're doing incredible work, and all the best here going forward, man. Thanks, Reed. That is uh, Tim Adams, Executive Director of Free Play for Kids. Used to be uh, Free Footy. Now it's uh, Free Play for Kids, and it involves a lot of sports. He is a great man, and he, he's he's done a lot for, for youth in this, in this community. And as he said, it, it's not just about sports. Uh, it's, it's sports as a, as a place for kids to go. And, and as you know, this is what I, I love about what Tim is telling us. Uh, well, I don't love the situation, but I appreciate that he explains it to us. There, there are for, for a lot of kids, uh, staying at home is not 
a very viable option at this point, or perhaps not a, a safe place or a pleasant place to be. And, uh, you know, Tim's free play programs give kids an outlet to, uh, to gather and to be safe. And now they're challenged to do that because uh, they can't use the facilities that they usually use. Tim was talking about maybe doing something outside on Monday. Uh, I guess we're, we have some mild weather coming up, but still not a great time of year to spend a lot of time outside. But uh, Tim is a, a resourceful man, a caring man, and, and I'm sure they'll, they'll figure it out. But I, I think you got a sense there of, of, uh, of how benevolent he is and, and how important his, his program, how free play for kids is for, uh, for a lot of kids in the city. We're going to take a quick break inside sports on Chet. chat there with tim adams we had darcy park on the show as well rob brown checked in you heard a couple of comments from uh elliot friedman he was on bob's show earlier today by the way you ever miss uh, well anything on 6 30 chat look for the podcast oilers now and inside sports wherever you get your podcast or you can just go to the show page on 630 chat.com check out interviews and audios from past shows uh cory writing in he says that uh, tim was amazing I could uh, only imagine what lives he could change with a budget. Well, yeah, I think that's uh, something he's searching for as well, Corey. And uh, uh, Brian says, heartbreaking to hear Tim. I had a girlfriend who was a counselor at an inner city school. She said she would go home in tears after talking to kids some days. Yeah, Tim's doing good work. And look, I'm not going to... I'm not going to pretend I have all the answers or just because I bring him on the radio that, uh, that, that, that that's going to solve anything. But I, I, you know, we give Tim uh, a place to get his, his, his voice out here and maybe we should do that more often. Um, you know, the website freeplayforkids.com on Twitter, it's Tim Adams FF. His DMS are open. If you have an idea or if, if you can contribute something, uh, you know, whatever that might be, uh, I, I know Tim would appreciate it. I, I was glad he came on tonight. All right, there's the hobo. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name is Reed. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you stay safe. You know, keep in touch with your loved ones, however you can. That's always important. And I look forward to talking to you again on Monday. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.